Session number 10, we're going to have 12, Lord willing. And I'll tell you tonight, we'll um, shift some paradigms. Tonight we'll uh, open some eyes, answer some questions, <laughs> probably create some new questions that you haven't ever thought of before. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray as I have prayed each night that you would open our minds to understand the scripture. Our search in the scripture is a search for you, to know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent. So Lord, tonight through your word, through your Holy Spirit, reveal to us the truth about the revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about the king. He's the thing that makes the day the day. And the idea of a king has always been about a kingdom. There's no relevance to a king unless the king has a kingdom. It would be insignificant to be a king if you didn't have a kingdom. The millennial reign of Christ is the kingdom of Christ. It is the answer to the Lord's prayer. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what about after that? What about after the millennial reign of Christ? What about after he comes and stands on the Mount of Olives? Session 10, Judgment Day. Next week will be number 11, and I'll give you a heads up. It will be after Judgment Day, what happens to the lost? We're only going to touch on it tonight. Judgment Day is the assignment of the second death, the second resurrection. What, what, what happens? Where do they go? What's the Bible say? And finally, session 12 will be after that. After the lost have been consigned to their eternal destruction, what happens after that? What, after the millennial reign of Christ, after the thousand years, what happens after that? I'll give you a hint, there's a new heaven and a new earth. But tonight we focus on Judgment Day. Did anyone wonder why Satan was only locked away in prison for a thousand years? <laughs> Everybody wonders that. Did anyone wonder why God wouldn't just throw Satan, the dragon, into hell at the same time he threw the Antichrist and the false prophet into hell? Because we've read in quite specific detail that when Jesus comes back, his feet stand on the Mount of Olives, he, he immediately destroys the Antichrist, the beast from the sea. And he then takes the Antichrist and his sidekick, the false prophet, and he throws them both into hell. It's, it's non-recoverable. You don't come out of that. But he doesn't do that to Satan. He doesn't do it to the dragon. During the millennial kingdom of Christ, when Jesus is reigning on the earth and the resurrected saints are reigning with him on the earth, Satan is not in hell. He is not in the lake of burning sulfur, the lake of fire. He is in prison. He is in the abyss. But that's not hell. It's not over. Not yet. The story of Satan's not over, not yet. During that thousand years, children will be born. All right, y'all put your thinking hats on. During that thousand years, children will be born and they'll grow up and have children and the population of earth will again increase. Remember, this is after the great tribulation when the population of the earth greatly decreased. Now, during the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, there's going to be a, a reverse, a great increase of population. During that 1,000 years, the resurrected believers will be in eternal flesh, and their eternity has begun. But, they, but there are and will be many that are not finished. This is where you're going to have to think deeply. During the millennial reign of Christ, we will be in resurrected bodies. We will have either been caught up in the rapture or taken out of the grave, whichever comes first. 
We will go to be with Christ in heaven during the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, when Jesus returns, we return with him. We're going to reign with him on the present earth during the thousand-year reign of Christ. We will be in resurrected bodies, eternal flesh. For us, we're finished. Finished from the perspective that we're not waiting for our resurrection. Our resurrection has occurred. We have resurrected in the rapture and received glorified bodies already. But what about other people? I just mentioned to you that people are having children who are having children during the thousand years. Who are they? The judgment of the church. Tonight's topic is judgment day. The judgment of the church, our judgment day, will have taken place before the tribulation even began. Do you know that, church people? Do you know that? When the dead in Christ were caught up to meet the Lord in the air at the rapture. What would you call that? Does everybody get caught up that day to meet the Lord in the air? No. So I want you to consider that in essence that day of the rapture, God chooses those who are His. Those who are really His, who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He knows who they are. Whether they're in the, their bodies in the ground or whether they're up walking around breathing air, He knows who they are. And the judgment day of believers is about to happen when the trumpet goes off. Because what's the judgment? If you're in Him, you go up. If you're not in Him, you stay. Judgment just happened. It just happened. The judgment for a believer, you rise. The judgment for an unbeliever, you stay. It's a judgment of sorts. Paul describes the judgment of the church like this. By the way, it's a letter to the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we must all stand before Christ to what? To be judged. He's talking to a church. The church at Corinth. He's talking to you and me. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in the earthly body. What is this judgment? Is it a judgment to heaven or hell for the true church? No, it's not. It's a judgment of rewards. It's the judgment of your eternal assignment. You're not going to sit on a cloud and play a harp in recess for a thousand years. There's going to be assignments. There's going to be people doing things. There's going to be governments. There's going to be officials. There's going to be things happening on the earth. This is not fantasy land. That judgment, we must each stand before Christ to be judged. We'll receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in the earthly body. These are rewards. The rapture, in the rapture, only the dead in Christ are going to rise. Remember what he says in 1 Thessalonians? The dead in Christ shall rise first. In the rapture, only the dead in Christ. What if you're dead but not in Christ? Uh -uh, you're not going anywhere. Stay with me. You're not going anywhere. If your grandparents are non-believers and the trumpet goes off, their body's not moving. They're in the ground. If they're not believers, their soul is in Hades. Their body's in the earth. But at the rapture of the church, that body's not moving. If you're a believer, it's moving. If you're not a believer, you're staying right there for a while. In the rapture, only the dead in Christ are going to rise on that day. In the rapture, only the living in Christ, the, the key word is in Christ, they will rise and they will follow the dead in Christ into the clouds on that day. That is judgment day for the church. I want you all to get that before we move on. What is judgment day for the church? The rapture. That's judgment day. That's going to determine where you're going. Whether you're, if you're in Christ, you're rising to be with the Lord, and we shall be with Him therefore forevermore, right? It's an eternal event. If you're not, you're going to go through the tribulation. If you're alive, if you're dead, you'll just stay in Hades until the second resurrection. We'll get into that in a minute. After the rapture, all right, I smile because this is going to be interesting. 
After the rapture, there will be many who will come to Christ. I know a lot of preachers who don't want to say that out loud because they're afraid that people are going to think, well, let's just wait and see. After the rapture, there will be many who will come to Christ during the seven-year tribulation. After the rapture of the church. And they will die because they will not bow to the Antichrist or his image during the time of his earthly reign. They will come to life again as Jesus prepares to place his feet down on the Mount of Olives to make war against his enemies at the end of the seven-year tribulation. I know that was a mouthful. Let me say it again, because if you don't get this part, you'll be really confused when I get to the next part. After the rapture, there are going to be people who are going to come to Christ during the tribulation. Let's tonight call them tribulation saints. They were not believers before the trumpet. Had they been believers before the trumpet, before the rapture, they would be gone. But they weren't. And now, they become believers during the tribulation. And what happens if you become a believer during the tribulation? The Bible says that you'll have to bow to the Antichrist or he'll cut your head off. Well, what if you choose not to have your head cut off? What if you choose? You've got a choice. If you choose to bow to the Antichrist, you've just sold your soul to hell. But if you refuse to bow to the Antichrist, he's going to cut your head off. And what happens to your soul? The rapture's already taken place. The dead in Christ have already risen. His body's going to sit somewhere. If he's been beheaded because he refuses to bow to the Antichrist, his soul's going under the altar. That was session two in our Revelation study. How long, O oh Lord, before you give us vengeance? And he says what? He says, wait a little longer because there's going to be more join you. So there are those coming to Christ during the tribulation. They will come to life again. Who? Those dead people who died in Christ during the tribulation. They're going to come to life again. When? When Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation, there's seven years in there, and he stands on the Mount of Olives and he kills the Antichrist. They will come to life again. <clears throat> this is when Jesus comes to Jerusalem at the end of the tribulation to reign as king. And here we go. Another big point. I believe that the rapture, when it says dead in Christ shall rise first, that the rapture will be only church age believers. I think the reference to dead in Christ means that from the time of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus to the trumpet of the rapture, which is the time that you and I live in right now, anybody who's died or alive will be the resurrected in that first event. What about the Old Testament saints? What about David? What about the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Elijah? I don't believe, listen, I do not believe they will experience the first rapture of the church. I believe the rapture comes in a second phase at the end of the seven-year tribulation. There's a lot of scripture to back that up. I'm just giving you my opinion. But I want to set that up. When Jesus comes to Jerusalem, his feet stand on the Mount of Olives. He's about to begin a 1,000-year reign on planet Earth. At that point... Two additional raptures, if you want to call them, will take place. Let's call them resurrections. Because these are dead people. They're not alive people going up in the air. These are dead people that died, listen, in the Old Testament. And they died during the tribulation. But they died as believers, as followers of God. What did that mean in the Old Testament? How were you a believer or follower of God in the Old Testament? You were Jewish. The blood of the atoning sacrifice of the law of Moses covered your sin. What if you weren't? You're in trouble. That's why Gentiles ought to celebrate in the church age. But what about the, the tribulation saints? They're dead. They died in the tribulation. They died in the Old Testament. They're going to be resurrected. They're going to join 
the thousand-year reign of Christ. But they're joining it seven years behind what I believe the church would have joined it. So let me say it again. When Jesus comes to Jerusalem, stands on the Mount of Olives, walks in through the eastern gate, sits on David's throne, the Old Testament and the New Testament believers and the tribulation saints that were martyred are going to come with him to begin to reign. Let me ask a mysterious and thought-provoking question. What if there were tribulation saints that weren't martyred, that didn't die in the tribulation, still alive in human flesh at his arrival? Does everybody who's a tribulation saint, everybody who comes to Christ, do they all die? Does Satan, does the Antichrist kill all of them? Are there none left? My answer is no. Not all of them. Many of them will die. Not all of them. I asked you a question a few minutes ago. Who's having children in the repopulation of the earth? Do you think you're going to have children when you come back in a resurrected body? There's no marrying or giving in marriage in heaven. So when you join Christ, the whole marriage thing looks to be over. You're married, but you're married to Christ. The, bride, the church is the bride of Christ. But this whole having children is a human flesh thing. So who's having children? I'll ask you again. Do you think that during the tribulation, those who come to Christ, many of them come to Christ, they will get the mark of the beast or die, right? You're going to have to make a decision. They'll cut your head off. What if you escape that? What if God protects a remnant in that? They're believers, but they didn't die. And because they didn't die, they don't need to resurrect, do they? They're still alive. When Jesus comes, they don't need a resurrection, do they? Because they're not dead. I'll tell you when you need a resurrection, when you quit breathing. Well, these haven't quit breathing yet. What would happen to them at the end of the tribulation when Jesus comes to reign? Can they have children? They're not in glorified bodies. They're not raptured, and then they're not dead. And they're not resurrected because they're not dead. They're just regular folks who happen to be alive and breathing air when Jesus takes over in Jerusalem. Regular folks. Can they have children? If they can have children, they're still in human flesh, then their children would be able to have children, and their children would be able to have children. Anybody with me? How many of y'all are really confused? No, don't raise your hand, because I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about that. Revelation 20. Now let's get into the Scripture. Revelation 20, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the old serpent, who is the devil, Satan. He bound him in chains for a thousand years. Here we go. There's the first reference to the thousand years. Now you know because of the context that Jesus is here and Satan is gone, right? That's the thousand years. Jesus shows up cast the antichrist and the false prophet into hell, put Satan in the abyss. Satan bound him in chains for a thousand years. Verse 3, the angel threw him into the bottomless pit, and he then shut and locked Satan so he could not deceive the nations. Who's the nations? Who are they? He's locked away so he cannot deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years are finished. Who's the nations? Afterward, he must be released for a little while. I hope a little while is a little while. And then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. Who are they judging? This all looks like it's happening on planet Earth. Right? So who, who are the nations? And who are these people sitting in positions of authority and who are they judging? Who are they governing? Because that's that word judge. Don't, please don't read that word judge as if they're de determining their heaven and hell status. That's not what the word means. The word means they're in positions of governmental authority. And I saw the souls. Uh-oh, here they come. 
Who are these souls? I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. What souls? What period are these souls from? Their souls are visible by someone who's reading. You know, John can see the future. He sees this condition. He sees the souls. So if you're wondering, where are these people from that have these souls? Let me go back. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Well, who's getting beheaded? Well, you read Revelation for their testimony about Jesus and proclaiming the word of God. And they are beheaded. Why? Because they had not worshiped the beast. That means what? That's during the tribulation, right? That's when you get your head cut off is when you don't worship the beast. When's the beast here? He's here during the tribulation. They wouldn't worship the beast or his statue, nor accept the mark on their forehead or on their hands. And what's going to happen to these souls? They all came to life again. What'd they do when they came to life? These are tribulation saints. They got dead during the tribulation. Tribulation's over. They're going to get alive now. And why? And they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That's why they're getting resurrected. They're fixing to get a new job. It's hard to get a new job while you're dead. So they're going to get undead and get a new job. This is the first resurrection. Now, some of you are going to say, Preacher, I thought you said the rapture was the first resurrection. I believe the rapture is the first resurrection. I'm going to call it part A. This is first resurrection part B. First resurrection part A is the church age resurrection. Dead in Christ, alive in Christ. We're going to rise to get new bodies, right? At the end of the seven years, these martyrs are coming to life. I believe at the same time, the Old Testament saints are also going to come to life. And they're going to join the martyrs, and they're going to join the church, and they're going to join a kingdom of Christ on the earth for a thousand years. They all came to life again. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Where am I getting all that? Here we go. For the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Who are the rest of the dead? Tonight, I'm going to tell you, that's Judgment Day. They are the dead. They are in Hades. Their souls are the souls of the lost. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years reign of Jesus is ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. So who is that? That's the church. That's the martyred saints during the tribulation. And that's the Old Testament saints that will join the martyred saints at the end of the tribulation. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, listen, 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 the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they're going to reign with Him for a thousand years. So let me summarize the thousand-year thing again. A thousand years is the length of time that Satan is going to be bound in the abyss. He's in prison. It's the length of time that the nations will not be deceived by Satan. Who are the nations? It's said that he can't deceive them because he's in jail. Well, who are the nations that he could deceive? Do you think he can deceive you when you're in resurrected flesh? No. So who is he deceiving? A thousand years is the length of time that the martyred saints of Christ will reign with Christ as king on the earth. A thousand years is the length of time that the rest of the dead, the lost, the unsaved dead, will wait. They're going to wait a thousand years. Where's their souls? If you were here on Easter, I talked about that in great detail. Their souls are in Hades, the place of the what? Dead. They're in the place of the dead. Their soul 
the rich man in Lazarus. The rich man's soul was in Hades. He's in torment. He has some type of a physical body because he experiences pain. His body was buried on the earth, but his soul is in the place of the dead. They're going to wait a thousand years, and then they're going to experience a resurrection. Now, I'll cut to the chase. You know what this resurrection is? It is a resurrection that brings you out of Hades and casts you into hell. Nobody's looking forward to that one. I can't even imagine how bad Hades is. But I can tell you, it's probably not as bad as hell. A thousand years is the length of time that those who rise in the first resurrection will reign with Christ as King. A thousand years is the length of time that will elapse before Satan will again be released from God's prison. They're going to let him go. He gets parole at the end of the thousand year. And then something happens. Oh my goodness. Something that's very difficult for our human mind to comprehend. God lets Satan out of prison. Next verse. Next verse. I, I want to say, God, I don't think this is a good idea, but I don't think it's a good idea to say that to God. Verse 7. When the thousand years comes to an end, Satan will be let out of prison. He will go out to deceive the nations. Who are they? I keep saying that. Who are they? Called Gog and Magog. In every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle. So they're all over the earth. And if you're wondering if this scene's in heaven, it just said earth. He's pulling them from all over the earth, all over the planet. So the earth, planet's still populated. And Satan is let loose, and now he's got people following him. Jesus is reigning in Jerusalem, been there for a thousand years, king of kings, lord of lords, reigning with an iron scepter with justice and righteousness. And Satan's released, and a bunch of people start following him. What in the world's going on here? Do you know? He will gather them together for battle. A mighty army is numberless. As the sands along the seashore. So you wonder how many people that is? That's a lot of people. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth. I believe this is the valley of Megiddo, the valley of Armageddon outside of Jerusalem. And they surrounded God's people and the beloved city. Anybody have to guess who the beloved city is? What it is? It's Jerusalem. But the fire, but fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. I remember I was in, with, in Jerusalem um, with Dr. David Reagan in 2010, and he made a joke that I'll never forget. He said, everybody talks about this final battle of mankind, this one right here. And he said, but actually, it's not a battle at all. It's not a battle at all. It's not a battle at all. Satan brings his hordes to Israel. They try to surround Jerusalem, and God destroys all of them. It's not a battle at all. He just kills them. You might say, well, it's a battle. Well, it's not, a, it's not, a, not, a ba not our battle. It's his battle. Satan rounds them up. He's been in jail a thousand years. He's not happy. He gets a lot of people to follow him in the last revolt. And then Jesus kills them all. He consumes them. What after, what's after that? Verse 10. And then the devil, who had deceived them, who, who? The nations, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Once again, Satan will deceive the nations. Remember, the population of the earth has greatly increased during the 1,000 years. Why? Some of y'all know, because they're, we talked about it last week, because people are living to be incredible ages. They're living to be as old as trees. Not, not, I'm not talking about uh, resurrected people are going to live forever. Forget the tree thing. Resurrected people, they don't die. For, there is no age. But, but who is it living as old to be trees? Who is it that, that it says if somebody died at 100, it'd be considered cursed? Who are these people? They're the people, they are... Most likely, they are tribulation saints who escape death. 
and they got married and had children. They're not in glorified bodies. They're just regular folks. And they're going to have children. What if the first thousand years, there'd be several generations of offspring in there, right? You can have kids, we'll have kids, we'll have kids. What if the first generation, they're saints, right? The first generation, they're believers. What if their kids suddenly don't like this Jesus guy in Jerusalem? And what if they have kids and they really don't like this Jesus guy in Jerusalem? Read Psalms 2. Well, in Psalms 2, well, what's happening in Psalms chapter 2? What they want the, the people of earth want to throw off this, this bondage of God, you know, his authority over top of us. We, we don't want you to have authority over us. That's what's happening during the millennial reign of Christ, which proves something. Listen, see if I can put this in words. It proves one thing. The problem with man is not external. The problem with man's internal. And unless the heart of man is changed, he will always rebel against God. These people are born in a perfect world. Pretty much a perfect world, right? Jesus is here, Satan's gone. thousand years. Born in a perfect world. You think circumstances is what makes us go bad? It's our heart. And these people who are who are born in natural bodies, their heart has never been changed. They don't have resurrected flesh, which means they're inside. They're still subject to sin. And subject to sin, you will eventually sin. And you will eventually turn against God. So the only, our only hope is He takes out our heart of stone and He gives us a heart of flesh. That He changes us from the inside out because there's not a person in this room that can change themselves. If we could, He'd never come to the cross. That's, the, that's what this proves. Jesus is reigning in Jerusalem, and yes, resurrected believers are reigning with Christ around the world. And yet Satan will once again be able to deceive the nations. I know that's hard to imagine. No, we, he will not be able to deceive the redeemed who live in resurrected bodies, but not everyone on earth has a resurrected body during the millennium. Once again, Satan will raise an army that will rebel against God. The Bible doesn't say exactly how long this process of deception and rebellion will take after the thousand-year prison sentence. How long will his parole last? I don't know. It doesn't say. I can only say that it's referred to as a little while. And after the thousand years... And after the prison release of Satan, and after the little while, is what I want to talk about tonight. It's called Judgment Day. Are you surprised at that? How many of you, when somebody told you Judgment Day, you thought that, you mean it's, it's after the rapture, and after the thousand years, and after Satan is released then it's Judgment Day. I thought Judgment Day was at the beginning of all that stuff. This will be the final judgment of the inhabitants of earth. Some refer to this event as the great white throne judgment based on this scripture. And by the way, it's the very next verse in Revelation 20. I am not jumping around. It's the next verse. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Do you remember the resurrection at the rapture? When the dead in Christ and the alive believers in Christ rise to meet him in the air? That was the beginning of the first resurrection. But it seems to be only for New Testament church age saints. Following the church age resurrection, there will be seven years tribulation during which the church will experience the wedding supper of the lamb in heaven with jesus at the end of that seven year tribulation there seems to be a part two of this resurrection but this time it will be the old testament saints and those believers who were martyred during the tribulation now let's go to verse four and then i saw thrones and people were sitting on them and had been given authority to judge and I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. 
They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their forehead or on their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death. Here's where I'm going. For these people, the second death has no power. What? The second judgment day that assigns the second death is irrelevant to these people. Who? Those who are in Christ. It has no power. But, the, the, but what? But they, they will be priests of God and Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years until the new heaven and new earth. If that's the first resurrection, the rapture of the dead, the rapture of the alive church age saints, plus the resurrection at the end of the tribulation, plus the Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, then here's my question. What is the second resurrection? If that's the first resurrection, and those who experience the first resurrection cannot experience the second death, if that's the first resurrection, what is the second resurrection? One thing for sure, the second resurrection or the next resurrection is referred to as the second death. I don't like the idea of the first death. I really don't like the idea of having to do it again. And neither of them occurs until after the thousand-year reign of Christ on this present earth. The blessed are those who experience the first resurrection, not the second resurrection. You want to be in the first resurrection. Verse 6. Blessed. You want to be in this group. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. Why? Because for them the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. Those who have experienced the first resurrection, I'm going to say it again, the raptured and resurrected church before the tribulation, the resurrected Old Testament saints, tribulation martyrs that come some seven years later, they cannot die. Somebody say hallelujah. The people who experience the first resurrection cannot die. Death has no power over them. Satan has no power over them, and Satan has the power of death. And Jesus defeats Satan, which means he defeats the power of death. If you're in Christ, death has no power, which means what? You've got a resurrected body, you can't die. You can't die. Quit celebrating birthdays. You'll run out of room on your cake. You can't die. All of these first resurrection people enter the millennial kingdom of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, in resurrected bodies, in immortal flesh. Listen to how David Jeremiah describes this time. I don't know why, but this really affected me. Here's what he says. When Christ returns to reign during the millennium, not one believer's... Now, you've got to focus on the word believer. Not one believer's body... From Adam onward will be left in the grave. The first resurrection will be completed. Did you hear me say believers? Unbelievers' bodies during the millennial are still going to be in graves. So to some degree, the earth is still left defiled. Because there's dead corpses of unbelievers planted all over the planet. But when Jesus comes and he establishes the kingdom in Jerusalem, not one, listen, not one sanctified belongs to God person's body from Adam to the end will be in the ground. They will have all risen. I got goosebumps jumping on top of goosebumps. They, 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 they're all out of the ground. They're all out of the ground. Do you know how big this is? No believer's corpse is dust. They're all made new. They're all alive. The rest, listen, listen, listen. The rest will have to wait a thousand more years. Now, some Old Testament people, they've been waiting a long time already. All right? They've been in the ground a long time. 
They're going to have to wait another thousand years. Then what? Judgment Day. Let's call it the Great White Throne Judgment. This is the second resurrection, and this is the resurrection into judgment. This is the resurrection not into life. Uh, 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 uh. This is the resurrection into condemnation. It is not the resurrection. He's not all the all the all the consecrated, sanctified people have already come out of the ground. Uh, they're already they're up. They're up. This is the next resurrection. It is the resurrection into judgment day. These people died here. If I could communicate a single thought tonight, here it is. These people died in their sins and they will stand before God unforgiven. And for that, listen, there is no cure. Never has been, never will be. This second resurrection is the resurrection of those who died in their sins. And I'm going to look at you in the room tonight. If you die in your sins, you're lost. I don't care if you went to church every Sunday your entire life. If you die in your sins, you die unforgiven. You are lost and you will stand at the great white throne judgment and you will be cast into the lake of burning sulfur. There's one way to be saved. You must be forgiven. Unholy is not going to enter God's presence. Unholy is not going to make it. So how can I get holy? I have to have my sins atoned for. My sins must be forgiven. If you die in your sins, it's over. You don't recover from that. That's the idea of purgatory. Somebody's going to pray you out of Hades. No, they're not. That's a lie. Nobody's going to pray you out of Hades. It's done. You're just waiting the second resurrection, which is the resurrection of the condemned. They died in their sins. Unforgiven. This is the resurrection into the second death. This is not an unconscious death, but an everlasting torment. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead. Here they come. Here they come. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. What's given up their dead? Everything on earth's given up its dead. If you're in the water, here you come. If you're in the ground, here you come. Everything's rising. And they were all judged according to their deeds. Listen, do you want to be judged according to your deeds? I don't. I'm forgiven. The blood of Christ has forgiven me. Now I believe that I will be judged according to my deeds regarding my eternal assignment, my placement, reward or whatever you want to call it. But the judgment of whether or not you're saved or lost is not based on your deeds, but it is them. You know why it is them? Because there was never the blood that erased their deeds. Nothing ever erased the Nothing ever took it. They're unforgiven. All their, all their sin is still right there. When they appear before God, their sin's right there on them. Nothing took their sins away. So they're judged according to their deeds. Verse 14, and then death and the grave. What is it? You were here at Easter? That's Hades, the place of the dead. Then death and the grave, the place of all the souls of the dead. Since Adam, the place of the dead, all the souls were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name is not found recorded in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. Ooh. This resurrection will take place a thousand years after the end of the tribulation. It will include all the unsaved dead from creation to the millennial end that died, listen, that died in their sins. So earlier I told you all the righteous people from Adam to the end get the first resurrection a thousand years after that, after the reign of Christ, everybody else, they rise too. They rise too. After the resurrection, listen, 
I find this to be remarkable. A single remarkable point in the middle of this great remarkable story is no grave will be occupied on the earth anywhere. Ooh, that's heavy. No grave on the earth will be occupied anywhere. The grave defiles the earth. The earth is about to be undefiled. And before it is undefiled, all the corpses got to go. In this final resurrection, every person who ever lived on earth will have been resurrected to either eternal life or eternal death. I'll ask you a question tonight. Do you believe in the resurrection? You will on that day. Everybody will on that day. The location of this white throne judgment is a mystery. Can you guess why? Let me read it again. Where's this taking place? And I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. And the earth and the sky fled from his presence. But they found no place to hide. Earth has fled from his presence. The sky has fled from his presence. So where does this final judgment take place? I don't know. I don't know. But David Jeremiah suggests that it takes place somewhere between heaven and earth. I'm going to be in a glorified body when that happens. I don't really care. I'm not so concerned about the location as I am the people that are standing in front of the great white throne on that day. And anybody, let's pause right now. Does anybody in the room understand why evangelism should be the first mission of the church? If you've never understood why evangelism is the first mission of the church, you ought to get it tonight. Because the lost are going to stand in front of the great white throne. And they're going to be cast. Their soul is going to join a resurrected body of some sort. And they're going to the lake of fire. It's serious business. If you ever wondered if the lost are unconscious... If the dead without Christ are unaware, if those who die in their sins, unforgiven, just fade to black unconsciousness, listen to the next verse, verse 12. And I saw the dead, both great and small, and they're standing. They're standing before God's throne. The dead are standing. They have been resurrected from the dead, and they are dead, but they are not unconscious. And they are not unaware. They are not dead in the way you and I think of dead. By the way, if you're wondering who it is sitting on the great white throne, this must be your first week at Nineveh. His name's Jesus. I want to prove it to you. I want to go to the Gospel of John. In light of all we've said tonight, I want you to listen to this. this I'll tell you what, this moves me. For just, these are the words of Christ. For just as the Father gives life to those He raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone He wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge. So that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Somebody say hallelujah. They will never be condemned for their sins. Never. Never. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed Already, it's not something that's going to happen. They've already passed from death to life. And I assure you that the time is coming. This blows me away. I assure you, Jesus says, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice. The voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will live. The Father has life in Himself, and He has granted that same life-giving power to His Son. And He has given Him authority to judge everyone. 
because he is the Son of Man. So don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son. Wow. He must have talked to the guy who wrote Revelation. All the dead in their graves are going to hear the voice of Jesus. In the rapture, you're going to hear, there's a loud shout, the voice of the archangel, a trumpet blast, the dead in Christ are rising, the alive in Christ are rising. Everybody in their graves eventually is going to hear, come on, some are going to rise to eternal life and some are going to rise to eternal death, but they're all going to hear the voice. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued, 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 that is unrepentant, unforgiven sin, they have continued in evil, will rise to experience what? What church? Judgment. I can do nothing on my own, Jesus said. I can... I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. The Apostle Paul describes the judgment this way to the church at Rome. Romans 2.16 And this is the message I proclaim. The day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Think about it. Those who have rejected Christ will be rejected by Christ. Those who have refused to come to Christ will be forever removed from the presence of Christ. If you don't want Him in your life now, what you're saying is that you won't want Him in your life ever. And He'll give you what you want. Graves all over the earth are going to be emptied out and the books will be opened and the book of life will be opened. The earthly graves and the sea will produce the remains of the human flesh while the souls of those who have died without Christ will be released from death and Hades to join their resurrected bodies to stand before the great white throne judgment, which is Jesus. I want you to contrast that event to the rapture of the church when the souls of the departed saints will come back with Jesus in the clouds to be joined with eternal and immortal resurrected believers' bodies to experience the eternal presence of Jesus. Do you see the incredible contrast between the first resurrection and the second resurrection? The first resurrection is the most joyful, ultimate event in human history. The second is the darkest, most deepest horror in human history. And both are resurrections. No secrets will be secret on that day. Everything will be brought into the light of Christ. No shadow of darkness in His presence. There will be religious people in line that day. I wish I didn't have to stand up here tonight and say that, but I must. There will be religious people in line that day. When? At the great white throne judgment. False religions like Islam, yeah. Hindus, yeah. Buddhism, yes. But also those who claim to be Christians. How do I know that? You think that's my supposition? No, it's the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. And I'm going to tell you, pagans don't say, Lord, Lord. You know who says, Lord, Lord? Church people. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do. Are you, are you listening? Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Is he bluffing? On judgment day. Here it is. Here it is. On judgment day, many. Why did he have to use the word many? Why couldn't he have said few? On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we perform many miracles in your name, but I, Jesus, will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I close with this tonight. In this white throne judgment, death and Hades, death and the grave are cast into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death, and from this death, listen, there is no resurrection. Revelation 20, verse 14. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There is no resurrection after that. When a person is in our world, when a person in our world stops breathing, what do we call it? We call it death. We will say that he or she has died. The meaning of death is separation. The soul has departed from the body. Now here's the last point. When we see death, you know, we assume that the soul, the breath of life, has departed from the flesh. This is biblically referred to as the first death, the separation of the soul from the body. I have watched that happen. Many of you in this room have watched that happen. Jesus teaches us that if you're born twice, you will die once. Jesus, not me. Jesus says if you're born twice, you'll only die one time. Born once was your infant birth, and looking around the room, that qualifies for all of us. But born again means that you died to yourself so that you might be born again. Born again in Christ. A spiritual change of lineage, a spiritual change of your birthright, a spiritual change of your heart that no man can do to himself. Because you've been born again, tonight in this room, because you've been born again, you can only die once. And you might not even have to do that if the rapture comes soon enough. Somebody say hallelujah. That's why Jesus stood in a graveyard and said these words. I am the resurrection. Think of the word. You understand in light of Revelation the power of that sentence? I am the resurrection. Everybody's going to resurrect. Which one? The first or the second one? I am the resurrection and the life, and who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me, what, 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 will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? But if you have not been born again, you will die twice. Because you were only born one time, and that one time is from the seed of Adam, and all from the seed of Adam are under the curse of Adam, and the curse of Adam is death. And why? Because you died in your sins. And if you die in your sins, you're lost. Because if you die in your sins, you're unforgiven. And if you stand in front of God unforgiven, there's no cure for that. People ask me, what's the unpardonable sin? This is it. You rejected the Holy Spirit that called you to Christ. You rejected the, the Spirit of God that woos you, sends the word of truth to you, puts a preacher in front of you, a friend in front of you, a Bible in front of you. You rejected all that, and you died with sin all over you. And you think God's going to say, come on in? No, He's not. You're going to be born again. You're not going to be condemned in the future. You're already condemned by your own choice and your lack of faith. And unless something changes, you die in your sins. It's over. Finally, John 3, 16. Everybody knows verse 16. Almost nobody knows what follows it. For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish <clears throat> but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come to judge the world. Nope, 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 nope. He came to save the world. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment. Church, listen. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness 
more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. The Revelation and the Gospel of Matthew both speak clearly of the reality of hell as a place of eternal suffering and torment. I found that almost every believer in some sort, everyone, excuse me, everyone believes in some sort of heaven. But in reality, very few believe in the reality of hell. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you, Lord, that we won't have to stand in front of you and say we didn't know. We do know. You have revealed it to us by the Holy Spirit. You have revealed it to us by the power of your word. You have set us in a place where the gospel is freely known all around us. Now, Lord, teach us the urgency of this message. Make us a church of evangelism. May we not take lightly this great gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.